Uh, anyway, let me tell you about Grit's, Grip6. This is a company that I really, really like. I wear their socks all the time. Um, and it's a company that I support because they are trying to bring manufacturing back to America. And all of their socks and all their stuff is made with and by Americans. American ranchers that breed the sheep, the wool, the manufacturers who wash it and process it. So you're wearing more than socks. You're wearing more than a belt. You're carrying more than a wallet. You're carrying a piece of America with you. Help us rebuild. Grip6.com slash Beck. That's Grip6.com slash Beck. It was Sunday, April 11th, 1937. A lot of things happened on that day that most of us just don't remember. The first postage stamp bearing the face of Adolf Hitler went on sale in Germany. The French uh, ocean liner, the Normandy, crossed uh, the Atlantic Ocean in record time. Its average speed was 30 knots. Also in New York, in the city, there was a woman giving birth to an unknown kid that would grow up to be very famous in America. His name was Colin Powell. Byron Nelson also won the fourth Masters on this day. But at 7 o'clock at night, Burgess Meredith and Orson Welles stepped to the Columbia microphones at CBS. And they did something that most people will never remember. It wasn't War of the Worlds. It reflected what was going on in the day. The annexation of Austria was in the works. Germany was already bombing Madrid and bombing parts of France. They were killing the Basques. Franco said he would destroy Madrid block by block and he wouldn't listen to the Red Cross. There is no safe zone for citizens. Fascism and communism, totalitarianism was on the rise. And that night, Orson Welles said these words, the city of masterless men will take a master. There will be shouting then, blood after. Let me take you back to the warning of 1937 that could be written for today in 60 seconds so everybody has uh everybody seems that um it seems to think that mortgage rates are still through the roof but that's not entirely the case they are coming down um right now they're in the fives some of them can be as high as the sevens but that is a lot lower than the average credit card interest rate and that is key because the average is 21 21 percent the Credit cards are killing Americans. Now, if you have a house and you have some equity in it, 
a cash out refi of your mortgage could be paying off that debt and lowering your monthly payment at the same time. The average person uh, that is doing work now with American Financing is saving about 700 bucks a month. Get started. Call American Financing right now. If you start today, you could delay up to two mortgage payments, giving you additional savings. So call American Financing at 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. Go to AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So is. People sat down in their living rooms, and instead of watching TV, which they didn't have, on Sunday night, they would turn on the set, as my grandfather used to call it, and warm the tubes, and soon you would hear voices from faraway lands. That night, there was a radio play, a broadcast, and this broadcast supposedly was from a plaza in an unnamed city. And the announcer reported, as a crowd awaits for the reappearance of this recently dead woman who had risen from her crypt on the previous three nights, and she would prophesy, the city of masterless men will take a master. Well, the crowd grew bigger and bigger and bigger. She was warning of the people of uh, an impending arrival of a conqueror. And said that the people, she described the life of those who had been conquered as one of terror. Their words are their murderers, judged before judgment. So she goes down. And then the next next time, an orator stands up and he says, we we have to be nonviolent, have nonviolent acceptance of the conqueror's arrival. Reason and appeasement. And eventual scorn will prevail against the conqueror. So let's just appease him. Give him what he wants. We don't need to do anything. Eventually, we'll all figure it out. And then we can throw him, uh, overthrow him then. Then a second messenger comes and reports the newly conquered peoples have embraced the conquerors in other lands. Then the priests of the city... Say, you got to turn to God. Turn to God. They even go as far as inciting the crowd to sacrifice one of the citizens of the town to appease the gods and get rid of the conqueror. And then finally, a general. He interrupts them. And he calls for resistance. But the people have already given up hope. They had already renounced their freedom. I'd like to pick it up there for the last couple of minutes and tell you this story. That night in 1937, through the crackling airwaves, the voice of Orson Welles spoke. We're here on the central plaza. We're well off to the eastward edge. There's a kind of terrace over the crowd here. It's precisely four minutes to 12. And the crowd is enormous. There might be 10,000. There might be more. The whole square is nothing but faces. Opposite over the roofs are the mountains. Quite clear. There are birds circling. They're all pointing and pushing together. The women are shouldering baskets and bread and children. 
but they all smell the smoke in the air. They smell terror. A general has approached the microphone. Empty belly or purse or the pitiful hunger of children, then doing the strong man's will. The free will fight for their freedom. They're free men first. They feed meager of fat, but as free men. Everything else comes after food, roof, and craft, even the sky and the light of it. The sun is yellow with smoke and the town is burning. The war, the wars at the broken bridge. The general continues, you, are you free? Will you fight? There are still inches for fighting. There's still a niche in the streets. You can stand on the stairs and meet him. You can hold in the dark of a hall. You can die or your children will crawl for it. But the people won't listen to the general. They're shouting and screaming and circling. The square is full of deserters with more coming. Every street from the bridge is full of deserters. They're rolling in with smoke blowing behind them. The plazas choked with the smoke and the struggle of the stragglers. They're climbing the platform, driving the ministers, shouting. One speaks to another. The voices of the citizens cry out. The city is doomed. There's no holding it. Let the conqueror have it. It's his. The age is his. It's his century. He's but one man. We are but thousands. Who can defend us from one man? Bury your arms. Break your standards. Give him the town while the town still stands. They're throwing their arms away. Their bows are in bonfires. The plaza is littered with torn plumes, spear handles. Again, the people cry out, Masterless men, masterless men must take a master. Order must master us. Freedom is for fools. Force is the certainty. Freedom has eaten our strength and corrupted our virtues. Men must be ruled. Fools must be mastered. Rigor and fast will restore us our dignity. Chains will be our liberty. The last defenders are coming. They whirl from the streets like wild leaves on a wind. The square scatters them. Now there are fewer, ten together, five. They come with their heads turned, their eyes back. Now there are none. The street is empty. In shadow, the crowd is retreating, watching the empty street. The shouts die. Voices are silent. They are just watching. They stand in the slant of the sunlight, silent and watching the silence after the drums echo the drum beat. Now, now they see him. They must see him. They're shading their eyes from the sun. There's a rustle, a rustle of whispering. We can't see for the glare of it. Yes, yes, he is there now at the end of the street in shadow. We see him. He looks huge. A head taller than anyone else. Broad as a brass door, a hard hero. Heavy of heel on the brick, clanking with metal. The helm closed on his head. The eye holes, eye holes hollow. He's coming. 
He's clear of the shadow. The sun takes him. They cover their faces with their fingers. They cower before him. They fall. They sprawl on the stone. He's alone where he's walking. He marches with the rattle of metal. He tramples his shadow. He mounts the pyramid, stamps on the stairway, turns. His arm rises. His visor now is opening. There is no one. There is no one at all. No one. The helmet is hollow. The metal is empty. The armor is empty. It's just metal. The barrel of metal, the bundle of armor, it's empty. Don't they see? They lie in the sunlight. They lie in the burnt spears, the ashes of their arrows. They lie there. They don't, they don't see or they don't want to see. They're silent. The people invent their oppressors. They wish to believe in them. They wish to be free of their freedom, released from their liberty. The long labor of liberty ended. They just lie there. Look, it's his arm. It's... It's rising. His arm is rising. They're watching his arm as it rises. They stir. They cry. They cry out. They're shouting. They're shouting now with happiness. Listen. They're shouting like troops in a victory. Listen to them. The city of masterless men has found a master. You'd say it was they that were the conquerors, they that had conquered. The city has fallen. That bundle of empty armor is what we talk about on this program every day. And every day, so many, even in this audience, says, he is but one man. We are but thousands. Who could stand against the one man? We surround them. It's not the other way around. And yet this bundle of empty metal has convinced all of us that we should lay down. That we should hide our heads. That somehow or another, this time, the conqueror will either be benevolent or we can just wait him out and we'll be fine. We've got to be ruled. Our, our freedom is the cause of our decay. Fools have to be mastered. I'm here to remind you today of one thing. Are you still free? Will you still stand up and fight? Because there's not just mere inches for fighting. 
There are miles for fighting. There's more than just a niche in the street. We're not to the point where you need to stand on the stairs to meet him. Or look for the dark hall where you can hide. But I promise you this, if we don't stand, if we don't focus on freedom and what it really means, not just our freedom, but all man's freedom, not just our freedom to say the things we want to say, but say the things that are offensive to us, to stand up for other men's freedom, to say those things. If we don't stand for those things, if those aren't worth living for or dying for, indeed our children will crawl for it. Barry wrote in about his experience with Relief Factor. He says, I'm a retired Marine and all of those years of my body's abuse amounted to a lot of aches and pains in my life. But in only two weeks, Relief Factor took all of my pain away. It's the best investment in the quality of my life I've ever made. Barry, thank you so much for your service. Thank you for giving Relief Factor a chance as well. First, if you are somebody or, or if you are somebody or somebody that you know that you love are dealing with pain, please try Relief Factor as Barry did. It's not a drug, so it's not going to whack you out. It was developed by doctors. It's four key ingredients that work with your body to fight inflammation. That's where most of our pain and honestly, most of our disease comes from inflammation. The three week quick start. It's 1995. It's a trial pack. Hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor and about 70 percent of them go on to order more. It's relieffactor.com or call 1-800-4-RELIEF. 1995, three week quick start. Relieffactor.com or call 800, the number four relief. Relief Factor. Feel the difference. Ten seconds. Station ID. So here's one of the things that uh, not enough people are standing up on. I don't know if you know this, but uh, the 1619 Project it has a series out that some people are, are, are watching. Uh, and it is the premise of the 1619 Project that is now in documentary form and now being shoveled out. Uh, and people are, you know, uh, learning it in African-American studies is a lie and the lie is that we were founded and built on slavery alone it's not true it's not true and there are some i don't know why every governor in this country is not just saying yeah we're doing what he's doing with ron DeSantis. he's now rejected an ap african uh, african-american studies course here's what he said this course on black history, what are one of, what's one of the lessons about? Queer theory. Now, who would say that an important part of black history is queer theory? That is somebody pushing an agenda on our kids. And so when you look to see they have stuff about intersectionality, abolishing prisons, that's a political agenda. And so we're on, that's the wrong side of the line for Florida standards. We believe in teaching kids uh, facts and how to think, but we don't believe they should have an agenda imposed on them. Okay. So each of us have a has a role to play. 
my role, I am so grateful that by you listening uh, to this broadcast and frequenting our sponsors, you have given me the ability to preserve American history. We were in the bidding for the largest collection of Pilgrim documents and artifacts and Jamestown artifacts, 1619. Uh, We won against the Smithsonian, mainly because somebody might have actually talked to the owner and went, you really don't want them to have it, do you? You think they're going to show all of this? Um, And we can we can disprove the 1619 project six ways to Sunday tonight. One, you must watch the Wednesday night special. Watch it with your family. We're going to prove with the documents with we have items from the Mayflower. We have cannon from Jamestown. But most importantly, we have the writings of these people. We will show you the truth. And the 1619 project is going to be taught to your children. So make sure you're watching tonight. Debunking outrageous lies from the new Hulu series 1619. It's tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, only on blazetv.com. And then at 9.30, you can watch it at youtube.com slash Glenbeck. And if you are... Uh, if you you can't afford membership of the Blaze, we understand. We've got a ten percent discount now on uh, a year's subscription of Blaze TV. Just go to blazetv.com/glen uh, and uh, use the promo code Glen, and you'll save. If that is not you know it's too much money for you, just subscribe, uh, rate, and review on YouTube, and you don't get everything that we say there because we can't. But uh, at least it's a Dorian. That's at 9.30 p.m. on YouTube.com slash Glenn Beck or 9 p.m. tonight live on Blaze TV. Don't miss it. The Glenn Beck Program. So if you're a shooter, I'm sure you've noticed that ammo prices have gone through the roof. Every time you go to the range, it's literally, I mean, you, you have to stop at the bank and take out a loan. This is so dangerous because we have to get better, but it is so expensive now to go to a range. What are you going to do? Hire a firearms instructor on top of that? It's even worse. Getting good with guns is essential to being able to protect your freedom and the freedom of those you love. And it's quickly becoming what it is in Europe, a rich man's game. This is why I'd like to recommend Mantis X. This is a high-tech, easy-to-use system that is now widely being used by the military. Our Marines are now training with the Mantis, Mantis X. It's not just something where you point and shoot, and it shows you where you shot with dry rounds, uh, dry fire practicing. But even with actual rounds, it will tell you exactly what you're doing wrong, where you're leaning the gun, how you're missing things. 94% of shooters improve within 20 minutes. Start improving today. MantisX.com. MantisX.com. A great Glenn TV. Also, we're going to be going through which senators should we be primarying in the Republican Party. It's on oh, Glenn thank TV. You. Uh, and Stu does America tonight. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck 
program. Uh, we have Adam Morgan on. He's South Carolina state representative. He is also the chairman of the South Carolina Freedom Caucus. What's happening in South Carolina is uh, pretty amazing. The Post and Courier said South Carolina State House Republicans see their divide air on full display in contentious day. State House tensions brewing between members of the hard right House Freedom Caucus and their GOP colleagues and spilled out into the open in a fiery floor debate amid conflicting accounts of who's even a legitimate member of the ruling Republican ranks. Okay, this is really uh, a, a, quite an amazing story, and I wanted to talk to Adam about it. I am a big supporter of the Freedom Caucus. I do not know the members of this particular Freedom Caucus, but I think there should be a Freedom Caucus in every state, especially those that we think, oh, yeah, that's all Republican. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, are they constitutional Republicans or are they progressive Republicans? Adam Morgan is with us now. Hi, Adam. Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having me on. You bet. So tell me what this all stemmed from. Well, uh, we came back to session, uh, all the members of the Republican caucus, and we were given new rules that the Republican caucus had passed. And in the rules, there was a new uh, loyalty rule that you were not allowed to engage in campaign activities of any kind against other members. And there was now a signature line on the rules, which has never been there before, that basically is a promise that we will agree to abide by, adhere to, and comply with uh, these new rules that just kind of came out of nowhere. And uh, my members, as you mentioned in the Freedom Caucus, uh, uh, were just not going to do that. You wouldn't say, Jawohl, mein Führer, and and make sure that you didn't step out of line with the party? Wow. Wow. Yeah, absolutely not. And I think the the most shocking part is we we told them before the rules were adopted, we said, look, this is nuts. Our people in our districts are going to go nuts. We're not going to willingly sign away our First Amendment rights. Like you literally put a pledge in this. This is awful. We're not going to sign it. We can't sign it in good conscience. And they ignored it, didn't fix it, forced the rule change and kicked us out of caucus. (laughs) <laughs> wow okay all the, all the so, conservative all the most conservative members the hard right as you read earlier which i'll wear that as a badge of honor yeah me too so let me um let, let me make sure that i understand you went in and they said everybody has to sign this loyalty pledge is that what they called it i uh, no it, okay they're saying you know of course the, the words oh no no it's just a, a just an agreement to abide by rules right but and so the, the rules were you have to sign it on your honor. <laughs> right. And so you you had to sign it. And if you signed it, if there was somebody who was ju- just sucked as a Republican and was a huge progressive Republican, you couldn't speak out against it. You couldn't help uh, mention names that were running against that person or support them. Do I have that right? Yeah, most definitely not the the second part. That was the whole question. Immediately, we're like, well, what is campaign activities of any kind? And, you know, we had a big discussion, uh, and those are technically under caucus confidentiality, so I won't say what individuals said, but I'll just tell you the definition was uh, hugely uh, sweeping, (laughs) broad and sweeping. And, yeah, you you cannot uh, criticize in in a way that would make people want to, you know, vote against a member. You absolutely cannot endorse if a great conservative challenger comes in and, uh, and, and and think about this. If a Republican suddenly comes in and says, we want to defund the police, we want to, you know, go to, you know, third trimester abortions, all that kind of stuff. None of us 
not a single member who you know signed that pledge can go out and call that person out and say they need to be removed. We need a great challenger, or if their challenger runs, you can't endorse them, or you can get kicked out of the Republican caucus in South Carolina. So one of the things you guys expected was that they were going to come back right away when they call the House into session. They would approve the allotment of the remaining over uh, uh, half a billion dollars in coronavirus relief funds that came from Washington. And they were going to say, yeah, we're going to work on our sewers with this. Well, that's not coronavirus. And what are you doing? And you guys wanted to either um, put money on it to make sure that it was used in the proper way or just give it back as a tax rebate. Right. Yeah, we had several different plans. And a lot of this is, you know, some people call them Biden bucks, the ARPA funds that be used for uh, transportation and different infrastructure things and you know, we just had several amendments that were common sense, uh, you know, good policy. And so we decided to make a stand. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, we're kicked out of Republican caucus and it's just our Freedom Caucus now. And so uh, we went at it and some of the uh, amendments were shot down. But we actually got one passed uh, that I was able to amend that that banned members from prohib- or, uh, from profiting from the legislation. Oh, jeez. So we wouldn't be able... Wow. Oh, yeah, that was the amendment that I put on it. Wow. And you would have thought I threw a grenade in that room, you know, by doing oh, that amendment. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but it, it passed. So, you know, we had a, a big win. And now, and in South Carolina, we've had a problem with that in the past, legislators having businesses that then go and get the Everybody. contract to profit off the legislation we passed so every state uh, now that. it can't okay so <laughs> so adam how many freedom caucus members are there in south carolina we have 20 members which is actually a, a really large. good number and kind of shocking when you think about you know it's a, a fourth of the republican caucus the fifth of the uh, legislature and that they would that, that we could be targeted and kicked out of the Republican caucus is, is really shocking, unconscionable. There's so many words for it, but I'll just say this. you know, I would have thought a, a year ago, a month ago, this could never happen here in South Carolina. We're Ruby red state. It just, yeah. it just can't happen. And what's going on is it's a battle for the Republican party for the soul of the Republican party. Correct. And it's happening here. It's going to ha- I think it might happen in every state. Oh, it, it's, it's, it's happening so here in, in Texas and uh, not enough People that actually believe in the Constitution and the freedom of Texas, they're not standing up. They're not. It's not being reported anywhere. And it, this GOP has gone awry in Texas big time. Huh. If it's happening here, it's happening everywhere. So, yeah, exactly. Adam, let me ask you. So you guys are out of the caucus. How do you actually then fight for freedom and 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 pitch this battle if you're on everybody's enemies list? Yeah, and we and we are on every on everyone's enemy list. Uh, definitely of both the some in the Republican Caucus and definitely the Democrats. You know, we have been fighting. We just really formed as a Freedom Caucus uh, in the last year, and since we did that, we have had some really big wins. Uh, we went after a pediatric transgender clinic that was operating in a hospital where they were seeing kids four to eighteen uh, to do therapies and counseling and even uh, medical full medical procedures to transition children on the taxpayer dime. And we FOIA'd them, put pressure, and then suddenly they announced and it's closed. And, and then we sued some road school districts that were violating state law that nobody would do anything about. Nobody would 
uh, deal with it. And so now we've gotten, you know, the programs that were indoctrinating teachers and in how to teach and implement CRT, those, those are now removed. And uh, so we, and then the amendment I just mentioned. So there's definitely ways that we can have legislative wins. Uh, we just have to be willing to stand up to the pressure um, from the left and from, from our own party. So um, are the people supporting you? Are the people aware in South Carolina that this is going on and have called the GOP and said, hey, what are you doing? Yes, I think that a lot of people are aware and, and there's more awareness uh, every day. You know, the, the movement is growing. People, when they find out about this, uh, just really anyone in the party is, is scandalized and uh, very much supportive of, of what we're doing. And, you know, we're getting the calls and the emails, stand strong don't cave in, you know, you, this is the real battle. And, and I know they've been calling and, and really that's what we need more of, you know, people in South Carolina, they need to contact their uh, representatives, their, their Republican representatives and say, demand this rule change because, you know, there's members in there who have said, Oh, I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know what I was signing. You know, mm-hmm. and some, some will even say, thank y'all for fighting. <laughs> like, right. but, you know, they're, they're not openly fighting yet. And I'm, I'm hoping they will. But, you know, they're saying, you know, thank y'all for fighting for, you know, for our First Amendment rights. And so, you know, I'm hoping that that the members, because there are still some conservatives in the room, uh, that they will stand up and demand uh, this to be changed, because that's what's got to happen. It's got to be the members that are in there. Uh, and and tell me why they didn't want you to post any image of the House Electronic Voting Board. Yeah, that that one that one is a bit of a a, a mystery. I, uh, one of the House leadership even used that in a speech, saying that we should before we post, we need to search our hearts, and uh, basically acting as though it's it's a bad, uh, you know, negative thing for us to go and inform the electorate about the votes, you know, that are going yeah. on in the House because it makes other members look bad. And I just, yeah, I don't think I really can defend that. That's so you ludicrous can't. to me. You, there's no transparency. I I elected you, put you in. I want to see how you're voting. I want to see what you're yeah, voting exactly. on and how you're voting. That's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a giant board. It's there for transparency so that everyone knows how we vote. We're, we should be on the record. We should be held accountable and, and brought to task for our votes. And members you know, can't. The fact that they would try to use social pressure to get people not to share because it makes others look bad. It's like, well, just stand by your vote. Or how about you just vote the way your district wants you to right. and the people want you to, and exactly. then you got nothing to hide. Right, That's, right. It's just that simple. Right. Uh, all right. Well, I wish you the best of luck in South Carolina. Let us know any updates, if things are changing, if you you know, if you need some more uh, to rally the troops uh, in South Carolina, let us know. I, I strongly urge you, if you are in South Carolina, to call your uh, state house, your your state representatives, and tell them, stop this. This this loyalty pledge is ridiculous. Stop it. I support the Freedom Caucus. It is so important that you do this because this, for the very first time, for the very first time, there are groups of people, not only in Washington, but in our state house, that are actually standing and doing what they said to us they would do. If we abandon them now, we deserve what we get. These people are brave enough to stand. We must support them. If you're in South Carolina, um, make sure you call them. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Glenn. God Thank bless. You for your support.
You bet. Uh, and by the way, this is happening in, in all of our states. So look into your state and find those fighters. By the way, this is this is what this uh, this loyalty pledge said. Uh, prohibit members from endorsing or campaigning on behalf of anyone challenging a GOP incumbent mm. in the spring's primary elections. It would prohibit lawmakers from posting images of the House Electronic Voting Board on their social media pages and from discussing the eternal processes behind House votes during public appearances. Basically, don't talk about anything. You, what happens here stays here. I'm sorry. There's a gallery for a reason. You're supposed to be able to be transparent. Now, we just have different ways of transparency. Now, not everybody can go to the Capitol and watch the proceedings. And we don't trust our journalists to tell us the truth anymore. So you don't have any right to muzzle anyone on the floor. The people have a right to know what's going on and don't ever, ever, ever sign anything where you give up your First Amendment right. Every day, the Ministry of Preborn saves 150 babies' lives. I have to tell you, this is sponsored by Preborn. Think about 150 people that will be here tomorrow on this earth because of what one organization is doing, and then 150 the next day, and 150 the next day. This is something that I think calls down the blessings of heaven. Anytime the Nazarene Fund, Operation OUR, and Preborn I mean, this is defending God's children and saving God's children. Is there anything that he would want to protect more than this? Is there anything more righteous than this? Preborn, how they do it is they provide free ultrasounds to mothers who are considering an abortion. When a mom sees their baby and hears the heartbeat, the majority of time, if she's undecided, she chooses life. Preborn is completely dependent on you, the pro-life community. We need to help them. Now, you can, you can do what Tanya and I have done, and that's we bought a couple of uh, ultrasound machines for preborn because we're in the position to do that. So what are you in a position to do? Even $28, $28, the cost of one dinner will rescue a baby's life. 28 bucks. Can you do 28 bucks? 28 bucks once, 28 Every month, $140 sponsors five ultrasounds. That could save five babies. Preborn.com slash Beck. Go to preborn.com slash Beck or just hit pound 250. Say the keyword baby. Pound 250. Say the keyword baby and you can donate there or at preborn.com slash Beck. The Glenn Beck Program. You know, I'm not going to be signing any pledge to not primary people. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go the opposite way and look uh, at who we should primary. And more importantly, how do we not screw it up this time? Because every time we do this, we go through an election, we put these candidates up in weird elections and it doesn't work and we we leave things on the table. I want to go after low-hanging fruit. So I was trying to piece together what's the best way to do that. First of all, you got to look for who's the most conservative. You don't need to primary. You don't need to waste resources primarying someone who's really good, right? Mm-hmm. You want to go after the people who suck. Mm-hmm. Then... How easy is it going to be to win in the state? Is it really difficult to win this uh, primary? 
or is it going to be hard? And then importantly at the end, is it if you do win this primary and get your candidate through who's more conservative, is he actually going to win in the general or are you going to blow that seat somehow? Right. So I looked through all of this and we, you know, put through, you know, a big spreadsheet and formula together to come out with the candidates that we should be most focused on coming up with a Ooh. good primary challenger for in 2024. And the time to do that is right now. OK, and this is happening tonight on uh, on the Stu show. Stu takes on America uh, <laughs> and the GOP candidates that should be primary. What, what is the name of the show tonight? I don't know. Stu does America. Know. Okay. Stu, I don't okay. know. That's a good question. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> uh, Stu's going to give you all of that information. And then following that, the deepest of deep states. What's happening in the Vatican? We have an expert on the Vatican and the Catholic Church history to tell us a little bit about what's going on. It is fascinating. This is the Da Vinci Code, except in real life. It is fascinating. The civil war inside the deepest deep state. The Glenn Beck Program. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org chosen. to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. This hour, I have been looking forward to for a couple of months. I wanted to find the right person to talk about the evil that we are experiencing in life today. How do you define evil? Do you define it as a force? Is there a force of good and a force of evil? Is there a turn to the dark side? The force is real. And right now, evil is thinks it's winning, honestly, thinks it's winning. But I define evil because I know who the head of evil is. Satan. He is the author of all lies. He sows nothing but confusion. His results are always all about chaos and division. And he's always about the collective. Oh, he wants the individual, but he uses the collective. I'll save everyone. 
I just won't let them choose. So if you believe in evil, evil is in a deep state all around us, everywhere, from the World Economic Forum all the way to our churches. And it's happening in all of our churches. There is either a very loud or quiet civil war going on. But I wanted to talk about the Catholic Church with a guy I would consider a captain Catholic, a guy who's not bashing the church. He is exposing what's going on to be able to help aid the church. We're going to talk about what Benedict said, the deep state in the Vatican. What does that mean? The evil at play and also the third secret of Fatima. Is it playing out now? Dr. Taylor Marshall joins us in 60 seconds. Now, I'm guessing you're paying attention to where things come from uh, when you buy them, and you're definitely paying attention to the price. You buy American whenever you can. I always thought when you went to the meat counter, if it said product of the USA, that meant it was grown in America. That meat was from America. That's not true. That is not true. They found all kinds of loopholes. I think it's between 60 and 80% of, I think, of our meat comes from overseas, does not come from America. That's insanity, especially when our ranchers are struggling. We lose our ranchers and our farmers, guys. We are done. We're done. So buy all of your meat from American ranchers, from good ranchers. Not only is there meat grown here in the USA, but it's of amazing quality. And it's not just uh, beef. It is chicken. It is seafood as well. Start the year off right and cap your price. They say that meat's going to go up another 15% this year. You won't have a meat increase if you sign up now and subscribe to GoodRanchers.com. Use the promo code Glenn and you can claim your free chicken for a year. Free chicken. You Are you kidding me? Two pounds of chicken free in every box for a year when you subscribe. GoodRanchers.com. GoodRanchers.com. Promo code Glenn. Dr. Taylor Marshall is uh, with us now, the author of Infiltration, um, uh, the infiltration of the Catholic Church, the plot to destroy the church from within. This is a universal story now. Um, Doctor, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Glenn. You bet. Um, so we follow your your work a great deal because you talk uh, about other things other than um, um, Catholic things. But I want to make sure that people understand right from the beginning. We are not taking on the Catholic Church, and this is not a Catholic bash session. No, not at all. I'm, uh, I consider myself a, a Catholic. I attend Mass every day, sometimes more. Uh, I have a beautiful Catholic family. We have eight children, Jeez. and uh, I, I love Christ. I, I love I love the Church, and uh, that that bothers me that there's these wolves in sheep's clothing, in shepherd's clothing, even uh, doing horrible things to children, to bank finances, to right. all kinds of scandals. And I think that the answer is is just to shine light on it and to expose it. Uh, and so that we can have some true change and get things back on track the way God wants it. Right. And there's going to be a lot of Catholics that listen and will hear you, uh, like Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> uh, who consider themselves Catholic, uh, that will disagree strongly with some of the things that you're saying. But I think that's the point, um, because there is this kind of feeling among Catholics um, about Pope Francis. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? 
I, I don't know if we'll ever get to that question, but I want to talk about Pope Benedict because this was very bizarre when Pope Benedict resigned. I think it was the first time, right? Where he resigned in... Well, it's the it's first time in 597 years. <laughs> okay. So it's been a while. <laughs> All right. Pretty rare event. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and when he resigned, it seemed very odd. At the, it, it was um, preceded by European banks pulling the plug on the Vatican Bank, right? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Well, actually, if we go back just a little bit more, a few months before the Vatican Bank having a, a kind of a meltdown, there was the, the butler of Pope Benedict. His name was Paolo Gabrielli, and he was leaking documents to the press and to journalists, and, and no one knew how this was happening. And finally, he was caught. He pled guilty, and he was sentenced to prison uh, in the Vatican. And then Pope Benedict oddly pardoned him. And that led to a whole investigation that was that was headed up by Benedict, a secret investigation. Three cardinals did it, and they presented to him. Their sources say one or two red binders of all kinds of filth in it. Uh, bank scandals. Uh, there's rumored to be pictures of cardinals in drag in those binders. Oh all kinds of nasty gosh. things. And that all happened in uh. December of 2012. And then January 1st of 13, the the Vatican museums cannot process money. The ATM machines in Vatican City stopped working. And shortly thereafter, we have the announcement of Pope Benedict that he's going to resign. The very next day, all those banking problems were fixed. They were resolved. And by the way, that night that Pope Benedict announced that he was going to resign, that's the night when the lightning struck the Vatican, which everyone noticed, which was a, a sign for a lot of people. So, so this is... Right along the lines of what we're seeing in the deep state in the United States, we are seeing with the World Economic Forum, which I know you are very well aware of. Um, are you are you is there any evidence that this banking thing was to put pressure on the pope? Get out. I think so. And, and the reason for this, and, and you say deep state, and, and I really think we need to, everyone needs to put it in their vocab, deep church. The same thing happening in the state is happening in the church. We, call, we can refer to deep state and we can refer to deep church. And it is not just the Catholic church. These people have been working it's, it's behind everywhere. the scenes for years. Yes. And, and, and you got to remember that the, the, the Vatican is unique in that the Vatican is its own nation. It's called a city-state. It has its own sovereignty. Uh, technically, Vatican City does not belong to Italy. It's its own right. micro-country. And as a micro-country, it has its own bank. Now, I just want the listeners to think about this. If you are a drug runner, a human trafficker, a mob boss, your biggest problem it's is what bank. do you do with all this money? You've got to launder. You've got to get it into legit means and move it around, right? And what if there were a bank on earth that belonged to a micro nation that was not regulated by the EU, that was not regulated or audited by anyone on the outside? Well, there is that bank in the world, and that bank is called the Vatican Bank. And so every crony on earth wants a piece of that bank because you can legitimize illegitimate money. And that's why the Vatican Bank has had a, had a problem of scandals almost every five to 10 years since the 1960s. The temptation to use that Vatican Bank is, is high, and, it, and the temptation for 
corrupt cardinals in the church mm. to let people get their fingers into that pie is also very high. And that's only one piece of this whole puzzle. But I think that helps people understand why the Vatican Bank is constantly plagued with scandals. Okay, so let me make sure I understand the good guy here. Benedict, is it your thesis that Benedict uh, was working to end all that corruption and expose it? And possibly even his butler was being used by Pope Benedict to to out all of this stuff? Uh, And go ahead. Yeah, those are questions that we're, we're still trying to figure out. And I, I want to be very careful not to say, you know, Pope Benedict was the, you know, super saint mastermind playing 4D chess. I mean, this is an old man who's in his 80s. And I mean, it's very few of us have had the experience of being old and tired and surrounded. And so I, I, I don't think we can make it just as easy as, as the good guys and the bad guys here. But Definitely, Pope Benedict was doing investigations, and, and he appointed a man who's become very famous in the last few years, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. I love him. To audit. Yeah, he's great. He's just, he, he's a good guy. He appointed him uh, back in, I think it was 2009. He appointed him um, Secretary General of the Vatican City Governorate. And this is sort of a, a ruling body. And he wanted him to look into the financial accountability of the Vatican Bank. And as soon as he was hired by Benedict for this job, he found a, a negative deficit of the equivalent of $10.5 million and then found in a surplus of, of random money that was in various bank accounts of $44 million. He did that in just 12 months, Vigano did which shows you that the people who were already in there were playing fast and loose with the accounting. Mm. So Vigano exposed that immediately. He was being called out by his superiors, uh, some Cardinals. Uh, I won't go into all the names, but if you want them, I can give them to you. That's all right. And he he got in big trouble. And so what did uh, Benedict do? He took Vigano and said, okay, look, you're in hot water here. I'm going to transfer you to be the apostolic nuncio, the ambassador to America. Washington, D.C. Now I want you to go and do an audit on the American bishops and the American Catholic Church. That's what Vigano did. And guess what? He uncovered the Cardinal McCarrick scandal. Cardinal McCarrick was the Archbishop of D.C. who was molesting children, embezzling money, just a wicked Judas of a man. Vigano exposed that. And then, of course, Vigano has spent the last five years pointing the finger at Francis for corruption. So, all these characters are woven together. It's a pretty small world in the Vatican. So um, let me switch topics here and kind of go to what happened, um, what, yesterday or day before. Unprecedented. A pope writes a, a, a book, uh, and it is held until after his death, and he just exposes some really nasty things. And I want to get into your thoughts on that. What did he say? Why did he wait, uh, and what is going to be the fallout from it, and what should it teach for everybody else in all of our churches that aren't Catholic? Back in just a second, Annette writes in about her experience with Relief Factor. She says, I ordered the Quick Start program. I was completely out of pain in a week. I've been suffering from knee and foot pain. I had a lot of trouble walking, but I don't anymore. I've been taking it for months now, and I can feel the difference if I miss a dose. Amen to that. Uh, Annette, thank you for writing in. If you or somebody you love are dealing with pain, please do what Annette just did. Give Relief Factor a try. 
70% of the people who try it go on to order more month after month. It kind of fit into the category of a net. So try it. Nineteen ninety-five. It's a trial pack. Try it for three weeks. Relieffactor.com or 800, the number four, relief. 800 for relief. Relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. 10 seconds, station ID. So it was a tell-all memoir, uh, and it was it's a book of uh, really unexpected revelations, and it came from the Vatican. It came from the archbishop was who was the right-hand man of uh, Pope Benedict, and it was supposedly written by the two of them, I think, uh, or Pope Benedict, and uh, it exposes all of the things Pope Benedict wanted to expose and it's some nasty expose um never really done before am i right yeah this this is as far as i know never been done there there was a a rumor that pope benedict was going to release his final spiritual testimony after he died and after he died it came out and it was everybody said it was a nothing burger you know it kind of reminisced about his childhood and his family yeah and then yesterday and the day before this book dropped it's in italian I actually have an advanced English copy of it. I don't know if it's official or not, but you know, I'll just read you a section from it. This is Pope Benedict. He says, quote, in several seminaries, homosexual clubs were formed, which acted more or less openly and which clearly changed the atmosphere in seminaries. In a seminary in Southern Germany, candidates for the priesthood and candidates for the lay office of pastoral contact lived together. And he goes on and he, he talks about also the American bishops and how they sort of lost their their vision for the gospel, uh, for assisting the poor, for preaching the truth, drawing people to Jesus Christ, and instead kind of just became, uh, not in his his words, but sort of the chaplains to the Democratic Party, you know, the the woke agenda, the great reset. And this kind of makes sense. I mean, if you're Satan, uh, you want to be in the highest corridors of power. And that has to do with both religion and politics. And uh, there was a, a woman named Bella Dodd, who in the 50s said she was a communist operator and she had a big conversion. And she said that she had placed over a thousand communist men in the seminaries. That was back then. So th- this kind of thing is happening. And it's it's just like we have a deep state. Right. This is the deep church. So Pope Francis recently came out and said the devil is among us. Um, and he has talked about a great evil. It sounds like this is what Benedict was also warning against, but I don't think they see things the same way, or do they? Well, I liked your comment that you made last week. Uh, they're both talking about the devil. They're both talking about evil, but they seem to be pointing at one another. Right. I think that's. I think your observation there was, was a good one. I think. There's definitely a war in the Vatican. And I, I, this kind of goes back to the 60s. There was this council. You mentioned it in your video, too, about a bad council, a bad mass, third secret of Fatima. But in the 1960s, there was a second Vatican council from 1962 to 1965. It was super optimistic. Um, you know, this is the era of color TV and moon landings and all yeah. that. And there was this idea, we need to make Christianity. We need to make Catholicism groovy. 
you know. Like, and that's gotta, exactly the right word, too, because it's just yeah. those kind of churches are just as hip as groovy is. <laughs> yeah. They work just as well. You know? And so there's this idea we can update and make things cool. So we'll change the liturgy. We'll change the hymns. We'll change the art. We'll make things modern. And we'll, what we'll do is, is we'll just give a facelift to Catholicism so it's not medieval with incense right. and bells and robes. And we'll just be really cool. Well, there's been this battle for the past 60 years on whether that is an actual uh, improvement or if it's been <laughs> detrimental. Mm -hmm. And it goes hand in hand with the global political agenda. Should we be on board? I mean, should we be downplaying abortion, downplaying gay marriage, down, you know, and this has been the battle and the lines are kind of drawn along that fault line. And I think Benedict XVI, as a young man, was a little bit more liberal and more modern. As he aged, as he was a pope, he, he's turned the wheel right. Francis has always been a South American liberation theology, radical Jesuit mm. modernist. And that's just who he is. And he hasn't, if anything, he's only gotten more and more leftist the longer he lives and the longer he's pope. So, and so go, ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. So, so by having these two camps, you're, and it, you see also like Pope Francis, for example, is trying to ban the traditional Latin mass. He doesn't like it when priests wear Catholics. He doesn't like the Gregorian chant. He doesn't like the old stuff. And he's very much on board with like, you know, the vaccine and the green theology and the great reset. And he sends representatives to Davos. I mean, this is his worldview. And so when he talks about the devil, I'm not so sure he's talking about the same person that Benedict's talking about. Right. So when I was at the Vatican, this is under Benedict. Um, I had no idea why they did this. It was a surprise to me. But I was allowed to go into the secret archives with the chief archivist and the uh, head of the university. Both of them were the, you know, uh, counselors to the pope at the time. And uh, they talked about uh, a, a war in the Vatican. And uh, it, it was described to me later by a, a cardinal as really, truly a civil war. And they were saying it is the soul of the church. And, you know, we kind of hope Benedict wins, but it's not uh, it's not clear at all. It was shortly after that that Benedict retired. Um, and it seemed like almost in retrospect, almost as if the Cardinals knew this could be a possibility that he would either be killed or he would have to retire. I'd like to have you talk about the actual because it's it's almost Da Vinci Code-ish. I hate to say that because, you know, that was... But it's uh, it's almost Da Vinci Code. There is um, a group inside. How real is this? And does this play at all into prophecies, Catholic prophecies about these days? Back in just a second. If you want to hear more from Dr. Taylor Marshall, go to YouTube.com, Dr. Taylor Marshall. He's got all kinds of uh, uh, videos up there, and he doesn't just talk about the Catholic Church. Uh, he talks about the Glenn Beck program. Pretty much everything we talk about here. Maria writes in about her dog's experience with Rough Greens. She said, "We love this product. Our dog had really bad skin allergies. We tried recommending treatments, uh, but nothing worked." 
three days into the trial, we started noticing a difference. Uh, in, in two weeks, the odor was gone from her fur. There was no more itching. Uh, her red bumps were all gone. Definitely worth the price. This was something that was developed by naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black, and you sprinkle it on your dog food, and it has vitamins, minerals, probiotics, antioxidants, you name it. If it's healthy for you or your dog, the right combination for your dog is there in Rough Greens, most likely. They are so confident your dog is going to like it, but they don't want you to be out any money in case your dog doesn't. They'll send you the first trial pack for free. You just pay for shipping at roughgreens.com slash back. Just see if your dog likes it. And if they do, feed it to them. Put it on their food and just watch the difference in your dog over the coming months. First trial bag free, roughgreens.com slash back or call 833-GLEN33, roughgreens.com slash back. Head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. You'll save 10 bucks. We have more with Taylor Marshall coming up. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Uh, today, we are talking to Dr. Taylor Marshall, author of Infiltration, uh, also host of the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast that you can find on uh, YouTube. Uh, he talks uh, about a lot of things, but he is a uh, he is a very strong Catholic. And this week, uh, we are talking to him about what Pope Benedict did after his death, just a, a book just came out. Nobody in America is talking about it. I don't know if anybody in, in Europe is really talking about it, but it is earth shattering. And I, I you know, it's all about um, evil and evil is becoming more and more clear, at least to me it is. And I, before we go on to the war that's going on uh, in the deep church, um, Archbishop Vigano, uh, at one point here recently, called out George Soros, Klaus Schwab, and Bill Gates. And this is the guy who was calling out all the pedophiles and, and the banking scandals. Why did he call those three out? Well, as time goes on, we see that the deep church and the deep state, the puppet strings all lead back to the same fingers. So, of course, Bill Gates... Klaus Schwab, the the usual suspects, because you have to realize that the most powerful people in the deep state, the most the, the billionaires and the and the technology giants, they have a strategy not just for politics but also for economics. Mm-hmm. They have a pol- and they have a policy for religion. I mean, all the great tyrants have to also control religion. I mean, this is this has to be done. This is thought control, and the most powerful thoughts that people have, and the most powerful feelings they have, are almost always associated to their religion, to their faith, to their convictions. And so, this has to be controlled. And Correct. you know, the biggest united religion on earth is Catholicism, with a very centralized nervous system in Vatican City. So, of course, they're going to go after that. And I, and Archbishop Vigano, who worked in the Vatican who exposed uh, corruption in the Vatican Bank, who worked in Washington, D.C. Mm. He knows he knows the Clintons. He knows the Obamas. 
he knows all of these people and he's met every single Catholic bishop in America and all the cardinals in America. He has the receipts. And so he's in a very unique position, perhaps more than anyone else alive, to have worked in Vatican, in D.C., and to see all these things he, sprouting. He is, uh, he, he's very clear on good and evil. And he, didn't he say this is a one-world government that is being built by those uh, people in the WEF, and it is one-world religion and everything else? That's what he's really warning about, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. And he he was sending warnings to uh, President Trump uh, during the campaign. In fact, he even sent a message uh, during one of the major rallies that I, I read from the Supreme Court steps on behalf of Archbishop Vigano, because he and I are friends. We know each other. Oh, would you please put and, a good word in for it? I've tried to have him on a billion times and we, yeah. we, we don't get a response. I'd love to do a podcast with him. Well, he's in hiding. Well, we can for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. But yes. Yeah. We'll, okay. We'll maybe work something out. But yeah, yeah right. he is really one of the most dynamic voices on earth, in particular for for Catholics or you could say Christians who have just had enough. Right. You know, we've just had enough of of basically politicizing our faith so that the likes of Bill Gates can grab up more land and push more experimental medical procedures on the world. So, so let me, let me ask you um, the, the third secret of Fatima. And if people don't know what Fatima is, it, it's a, uh, it's a miracle that happened. What? Right before the 1917, uh, 1917 right before the war. Uh, and uh, the Virgin Mary came and appeared to the children and said, look, there's going to be a war. Uh, it's Russia uh, that is behind a lot of this error. And uh, Russia needs to be turned over to the Lord. And their hearts changed and gave, I think, three secrets. And, and the last one was kept secret. And it's confusing now because it supposedly has been revealed. But then I think Benedict hinted that it really hadn't been revealed. But it talks about the, the last black pope, if you will. And I don't mean it as color of your race i mean it as a a dark uh figure that he's on the wrong side is that true and do you and others does vigano believe that this is those times or we're approaching them yes i I think that the, the fatima mystery and the three secrets of fatima are i mean in my book infiltration it's very much part of the first part of the book because you have this I, don't, I won't get into all the details. People can, can look it up for themselves. There's tons of literature on it. But you have one of the biggest public miracles that have happened maybe since Moses crossing the Red Sea. I know that sounds sensational, but it was a major public miracle that was witnessed in a place, a little tiny place, Fatima, Portugal. And yes, there was three secrets that were revealed. Just quickly, the first one was that hell exists and people are going there. Don't listen to people who tell you there is no hell. Number two, Russia needs to be consecrated. Russia, the errors of Russia are about to spill into the entire world over the, this was documented in 1917. Right. And what did we see? We saw the rise of, of communism, Stalinism. I mean, Russia, national socialism, China, Vietnam, Cuba, Latin America. So, I mean, what happened in 1917? I mean, either these little kids were just brilliant, 
you know, <laughs> politicians who could right. see the next hundred years, or this really was a message from heaven. Right. And then the third secret was written down and was supposed to be opened and read to the world in 1960, six zero. Uh-huh. It's a special message to the world. And everyone, even the New York Times was publishing, oh my goodness, we're about to have the, the third secret of Fatima. This was a big deal. Nowadays, yeah. people have forgotten it, but it was a really big deal. And it was kind of like the Kennedy time, archives. <laughs> Nobody exactly. seems to release, though. And you're like, why? Why hasn't it been released? Yes. And, and, and the secret talked about a, a world war and, and then a worse one after that. So Everything that was revealed did come to happen. So everybody wanted to know what's in the envelope in 1960. In 1959, a year early, John XXIII opens it, reads it, puts it back in, and says, this is not for our times. I'm not releasing it to the world. And everyone was ticked. Everyone was upset. They're like, come on. This is perhaps the, most, the greatest prophetic thing that's happened in the last several hundred years, and you're not going to reveal it? And so that was 1959, 1960. And then something was released in the year 2000 by Pope Benedict, allegedly the third secret. But as soon as it came out, people questioned it because it describes a vision of what seems to be some kind of post-war dystopia. But it doesn't explain what it is or what should happen or what we should do. Like there's the explanation part that we had in the first and second secret is missing in the third secret. Correct. And this has led to a unanimous agreement by scholars, even people who aren't even Catholic. What they gave us in the year 2000 was maybe part of it, but it wasn't the full secret. And why don't we have the full secret? And there's all kinds of people who have speculated. There's people who have read it in the Vatican. And a lot of them say it has to do with papal corruption. It has to do with a bad council, with a bad mass. And um, with... And, and with a meeting in Russia, that the Pope will go to Russia um, and not to consecrate uh, Russia. But yeah, uh, I mean, it's hard to know because we don't have it. You know, we just kind of get drippings of, of what it could be. But we do know that Russia is at the center of this whole thing. And I mean, we're still living it in 2023. It'd be great to get the full secret and to know what it actually says. But you know, my my worry is that they put it into a filing cabinet called trash can and we may never see it. That's my concern. Uh, I, I, Dr. Marshall, I, we, we could talk for a long time. I've got so many questions for you, but we're uh, we're almost out of time. Um, tell me how this relates what's going on in the Catholic Church, which is a real true civil war. For the soul, just like we're battling in the soul of America in our country and the West, everything is being split. How does this relate what's going on and being exposed in the Vatican to all of our other churches? Well, I think it, like it goes back to thought control. They want to control our actions. They want to control our words. You know, if you say certain things, you're going to be canceled. Just look what Elon Musk has exposed in the past several months. Uh, and then they want to ultimately control your thoughts. You know, we often, people know about the book of Revelation and the mark of the beast, 666 on the forehead, you know, and all that. Mm-hmm. But think about the significance of the forehead. I mean, that is branding the sign of the devil upon your mind. You know, the, the, yes, there, there very much could be a physical manifestation of, of, a, of a sign on your forehead, but ultimately evil 
wants to take ownership and brand your mind mm-hmm. and control your thoughts. And that's where all the tentacles are reaching is complete thought control. You will own nothing. You will have nothing of your own. You won't even have your thoughts. And allegedly, we're going to be happy is what they tell us at the Great Reset. And this is that's actually it's actually in their uh, in one of their videos that even your even your thoughts, your dreams will be known. So you really will not control your thoughts or be in charge of your thoughts. You won't know which are your thoughts or their thoughts. It's really spooky. That's ultimately the mark of the beast right there. Yes, it is. You have 666 on your forehead, literally. And it, I mean, whether it's a contraption, whether it's I don't, a tattoo, I mean, we debate that all day. But the, the significance of it is that your mind belongs to evil. And is there any doubt in your mind that that this is actual evil like we probably haven't seen since maybe the 1930s and 40s? Any doubt in your mind? There's no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt. The powers, and back then they had machine guns and planes. Now we have technology. You know, now we, we, people can spy on you through your phone. They can spy on, they can control so much. And that hasn't yet been tested by tyrants. And so now we're starting to experience it. Mm. Thank you so much, uh, doctor. I hope we get a chance to uh, meet soon. I'd love to have you back and talk about the World Economic Forum and the things that you know about that that I might have missed. Um, you you spread a lot of good um, in the world with your your podcast. So thank you so much. Likewise. Thank you, Glenn. You bet. Bye bye. Um, really, I think very reasonable, uh, well thought out man. His name is Dr. Taylor Marshall. He is the author of the book Infiltration and the host of the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast. You can find uh, his podcast at youtube.com slash Dr. Taylor Marshall. All right. There is a new study that came out today. Let me see if I can find it here real quick about the home prices. Oh, boy, that's not going to. Hmm. That's not looking real well. Um, Goldman Sachs has just come out with uh, a serious crash of home values in at least four cities. And that is um, Phoenix. Let me see if I can find it. Shoot. Uh, It's Phoenix, San Diego, Austin. uh, And I don't know what the third one is, but they're saying this is going to be. Oh, um, and Seattle and uh, Oregon, Portland. They're saying crashes are coming there um, and it's going to be hard to, um, you know, you could you could lose 25 percent value. Right now might be the best time to sell your home right now. You need somebody who knows the market. I mean, Phoenix, we got you covered like crazy. Um, Somebody that really knows the market, knows how to sell it, can turn it around fast, get the top dollar for it. And then, you know, has connections with our with our agents in someplace else, wherever you're moving, realestateagentsitrust.com is a free service to you. These are the people that we have really vetted and we watch closely. They don't work for me, but they are vetted by my team and we really watch them closely. Realestateagentsitrust.com. I think they're the best of the best. Realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
So we were talking about Bill Gates, uh, you know, being one of the evil ones uh, with our last guest. I mean, Outlook. If you've ever used Microsoft Outlook, you have to agree. To oh, that. The, the clip. Clippy. Oh, Clippy. The stupid paperclip thing telling yeah. you what to do. Oh, yeah. That's that's the mark of the that's, beast. That's the dictator. That's the yeah, beginning that of the dictator right there. Clippy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, he has just come out in a new interview. Now, listen to this, because overpopulation, we have to change the way we eat. We can't have meat anymore. We can't farm the way we can. Uh, we, we have been. Uh, global warming is coming. We're all going to die. All of that stuff. In this new interview from Sydney, uh, Australia, he said, I'm really very optimistic. Uh, it'll be much better to be born 20 years from now or 40 years from now than any other time in the past. You know, the world is full of disheartening trends, uh, like an inadequate global response to the COVID-19 pandemic or government's failures to meet stated goals for tackling climate change and the increased political polarization. But I'm really optimistic. <laughs> well, first of all, of course, that statement has been largely true for a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah, Usually, yeah. the later you're born, sure. things improve. And we're, and but, every generation has fears like this. And I so think hopefully, things go well. I think he's absolutely right. At our pace of innovation, you are going to, by 2030, you will not be able to keep up with what we would call miracles now. By 2030, 2032, you'll be, every day, you'll be like, wait, we just cured What? We, we just did what? It's going to be like that. And it's going to come faster and faster and faster until in the 2030s, you won't be able to keep up with them. Okay, nobody will. Um, and so that is that's exciting in some ways. We'll be able to cure all these things. But it's interesting coming from him who is so dire that the world is going to just slip into some fiery flood because of global warming and we're killing the planet and we're all going to die. The same guy who says, look, we only have five years to cure this, is like, oh, no, you know, in 60 years, it's going to be great. It's going to be great because of all of the innovation. Well, which is it? Which is it, Bill? Mm. Oh, we're all going to die from, you know, some pandemic. Really? If, if most of us die of 80%, I don't know if I'd <laughs> want to be brought into that world during that time. What are you talking about, Bill? Maybe he's just thinking by that time things will be so bad we'll be praying for death and we'll get it. (laughs) I think by then he thinks the The World Economic Forum will be in charge. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. If you happen to watch one of my Wednesday night specials, The Targets of Tyranny, um, we brought people in who had been targeted by the government for some reason or another and were fighting really, truly fascism. There was one person that was with us. Her name is Amy Nelson. She uh, lived in Seattle with her husband. And there was a scandal that happened at Amazon, and her husband all of all of a sudden found himself in trouble with the feds. 
None of it made sense. But I said at the end of the episode, I hope none of you face repercussions from telling your story on the air. And I'm afraid Amy may have felt repercussions because she was on the air with this. You need to know the full story. Amy is in with us in 60 seconds. All right. You plan for your financial future, um, you know, get one of those uh, trillion dollar platinum coins. I love that. Did you see that? The Treasury actually rejected that idea. First of all, that is a real idea. We figured out that the platinum coin would have to be the size of a football field. And I can't remember how many feet high if you're going to make a platinum coin worth a trillion dollars. It wasn't. But they were just going to make a little one like a quarter and just say, ah, it's worth a trillion dollars. They rejected it. Congratulations. For now. For now. Mm -hmm. For now. Um, they'll come up with other Fed coins. You're going to love it. Made in the Weimar Republic. So it's it's great. Uncle Sam's going to help you out. I urge you right now to call Goldline and find out if gold or silver is right for you. I would never, because it's not my job, but I would never give anybody investment advice other than spread it out as thin as you possibly can. Because I can't tell you what's going to last. I have no idea. I can tell you that at this rate and what the world is planning with the World Economic Forum, etc., and what China is doing, the dollar is not going to last. Don't know when, but it's not going to last. Goldline is offering a special on their gold legal tender bar cards this week. Every single one of them purchased, you're going to receive 25 of the silver mind your business bars at no additional cost. Gold and silver. Find out if it's right for you. You're smart enough. Do your own homework. 866-GOLDLINE. Call them for information. 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. The founder of The Riveter, uh, she is, uh, she's really, I mean, I feel stupid sitting in the same room with her. She's a graduate <laughs> of Emory University, NYU School of Law, practiced corporate litigation with a focus on uh, high-profile First Amendment matters for over a decade in New York and then in Seattle, mother of four, contributor for Inc., the host of iHeartRadio's What's Her Story with Sam and Amy, She's raised $30 million in venture capital to grow the Riveter. Uh, she's also been published in the Washington Post, Newsweek, Seattle Times, and um, she's been all over the world speaking. Fortune's most powerful women. I mean, jeez. Overachieve much, Amy? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, Amy, you were on with us. By the way, welcome. Thank you. Glad you're here. Thank you. Um, and you're sitting up taking nourishment. That's always good. Uh you you came in here for the um, uh, Targets of Tyranny special, and we had been in correspondence for a while mm-hmm. um, because of what happened to you and your husband in Seattle with Amazon and the feds. Can you quickly just recap that for anybody who doesn't remember? Yeah. So my husband worked for Amazon Web Services for nearly eight years. If you don't know, AWS is a subsidiary of Amazon where... The internet lives. Cloud computing lives in these big data warehouses across the world. My husband worked in real estate, helped scouting locations that would be good to build data centers and and projects along those lines. He left Amazon in 2019, and on April 2nd, 2020, the FBI knocked on our door. We learned then that my husband was being accused, at the time we didn't know by who, of a crime called private sector honest services fraud, which is depriving your private employer of your honest services. Mm. At the time, the FBI did not ask my husband what happened. It was clearly an accusation. And two months later, 
um, the government used civil forfeiture to seize all of our family's bank accounts. Your bank accounts, your husband's, your joint, everything. I mean, to the point, Glenn, the DOJ went into our law firm's client trust account and seized all of the money we had paid our lawyers. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And my husband at that point had never been charged with a crime. In fact, he never was ever charged with a crime. Civil forfeiture is something the government can use. It's a tool and they can seize your money, your home, your safe deposit box. Squeeze you in every way they possibly can. And many times you don't get the money back. You really don't. And we really were kind of told, like, don't expect to ever get the money back no matter what. Um, That's craziness. It is crazy. That's King George, you know, Declaration of Independence style stuff. Well, and the thing is, you know, it's it's a tool, right? It's a a pressure tool. So my husband had been accused on April 2nd, 2020, and the prosecutors wanted him to plead guilty um, to a crime. It was all very unspecific. It was unclear. And the crazy thing is that largely what my husband was being accused of depriving Amazon of his honest services related to actions my husband took after he didn't work at Amazon. Mm. Um, but anyway, um, we did fight and, you know, we, we had four little girls, um, we sold our home, we sold our car, we liquidated our retirement, we borrowed money from family and friends to pay lawyers and to survive. And didn't they go into your family's accounts too? Oh my gosh. So my father, yeah. Yeah. So my father was critically ill. He almost died. He actually got a life-saving kidney transplant in April of 2020. And two weeks later, the FBI emptied out his bank accounts. Um, my husband and I had paid for his medical care. So, you know, it's he would have died if my mother couldn't help him pay his medical bills. So um, many times people see this and go, yeah, but there had to be something. You you told the story of what that something is, and it revolved around a very expensive lawsuit from Amazon. So to preface this, we had no idea what was going on. And the day the FBI showed up at our house, my husband hired criminal defense attorneys and said, please call Amazon. And tell them, I will come in and talk to them. I, I don't understand what's going on, but I have nothing to hide. And Amazon's lawyer said, we will only speak to him if he is pleading guilty to a felony. And at the time, we were like, what is going on? I mean, Amazon's lawyers squarely put the DOJ between the company and my husband. Very few companies have that kind of access to DOJ. Mm-hmm. And for an institution that's meant to be apolitical, that's wrong. It's just right. wrong. Um, but what we learned over the course of years and spending a lot of lawyer, lawyer money is that in February of 2020, Amazon broke a contract with a real estate developer. And by the explicit terms of that contract, unless they could prove the developer committed a felony crime, they were going to owe him over $100 million in damages. The next day after they broke the contract, they had their first meeting with the Department of Justice. They met with the Department of Justice over 100 times trying to lobby for criminal charges. The government spent countless FBI hours and prosecutors hours, like essentially doing Amazon's bidding. And what we do know is despite all of the things that Amazon told the government, they never told the government that they had broken a contract and needed a felony or they would be liable for hundred millions of dollars in damages. So you decided to fight. Yes. I mean, you know, you're you guys are fighters. You decided to fight. It has cost you a great deal. Your husband, nor you or anybody else has ever been charged you thought this was kind of wrapping up mm-hmm. and then you came on the special and I think I may have said, are you sure you want to come on? <laughs> and I know I said, I hope nothing happens yeah. because of this. The day after coincidence. 
I don't really believe in coincidences anymore. Okay. But the day after the Department of Justice subpoenaed Amazon for all of the documents that Amazon had that had been produced in the civil litigation, because after Amazon failed to get criminal charges, they sued my husband. And I'll, I'll note something about that that I think, you know, Amazon didn't anticipate. But usually when you're accused of a crime, you never get to see the communications between your accuser and the Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. And in this civil case, because Amazon sued my husband, my husband was able to see all those communications. Mm-hmm. And they're very shocking. And I mean, to me, as a lawyer, I, I was floored by the things that have been made public that I've been able to see. Why? What, what was seen? Um, Amazon hired a former federal prosecutor from the Eastern District of Virginia. They mm-hmm. paid him millions of dollars to lobby his former colleagues for criminal charges. Am- uh, the former, pro- the current prosecutors in Virginia immediately ushered in Amazon for a meeting. They set up a meeting with the prosecutor's press office because clearly this was going to be such a sexy and scandalous case. They never checked anything Amazon said. They never asked to see my husband's terms of employment or his non-compete. Like they just didn't ask to see it. Amazon said they had paid this real estate developer $16 million. Amazon had paid the real estate developer $0. So nobody ever checked anything. They just went for it. Because it was really literally an old boys network. I I know you. You know me. Just this is a problem. I mean, we have an email that's now in the public docket in Virginia where Patrick Stokes, Amazon's lawyer, asked his former colleague, Jessica Aber, who's now the U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Virginia, who just sued Amazon's main rival, Google. Mm. And Pat Stokes said to Jess Aber, we want to talk to you about civil asset forfeiture. Prosecutors in the Eastern District of Virginia have not used civil asset forfeiture outside of a drug case in 13 years that I can find. So this is now being looked at again for the second time? You know, I really think that Amazon keeps pushing DOJ to try to do something and DOJ isn't doing anything except kind of, you know, just the investigation just kind of hangs out there because it's a threat, right? And unless Amazon can get a felony conviction of this real estate developer, they are going to be liable for damages. All right. So um, the reason, and we talked about this, you mentioned this, but I have been seeing more and more stories about people from the DOJ going to work right directly to the Pentagon and people from the intelligence agencies. This is terrifying because there is a public-private partnership that you should be very aware of. Our DOJ, our national security agencies, all of them are using Amazon, Amazon as their cloud bank. When you have that, you have control of the government or the government has control of you at best at best if one doesn't have something over the head of the other they're partners in everything that is extraordinarily dangerous it's incredibly dangerous i mean and the thing that kind of blows my mind is that no one's even really paying attention to it i mean on amazon's board they have the former head of the nsa keith alexander that's not a person with business experience that should right. be on the board of a big company. The sole reason, I mean, why else would he be there other than to get contracts with the NSA? And sure enough, in 2021, the NSA quietly awarded Amazon Web Services a $10 billion contract. Like, it's something that we should all be very frightened of. It's happening across big tech. It's happening, you know, you've read the Twitter files, mm-hmm. you see it everywhere. And Amazon is hiring hundreds Hundreds, hundreds of CIA, FBI, former federal prosecutors. And what just having those guys 
in a high tech company that has the information on each of us that Amazon does. That's not good. Oh, and there's no wall between that company and the government. Absolutely not. Right. There's no wall at all. And you look at things like Amazon is now getting into pharma, right? That Amazon just launched a five dollar yep. subscription to get your pills. Now you're going to give all your health data to Amazon. It's terrifying. And Jeff Bezos, he's an oligarch, right? If you looked yep. at the indictment of the FBI agent Charles McGonagall, mm-hmm. it described an oligarch, Deripaska, as a man of vast wealth with close ties to the government. That is exactly what Jeff Bezos is. So what's next in this? <laughs> Have you written off ever getting your money back? So we actually got our money back, Glenn. So we pulled off what people thought would be impossible. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was, you should um, do a podcast just on how to do that. I, I know <sighs> lots of people who I know just driving through town. They had cash. The sheriff pulls them over. The cop pulls them over. That's ours. I mean, you never get it back. It's how, tr- how did that happen? So the government, it's such a strange process. It goes back to the time of pirates. But when the mm. government seizes your money and they don't charge you with a crime, they then have to sue your asset. So they sue your bank account. It's like U.S. versus $4,000 at Wells Fargo. And they do that because your assets don't have due process. <laughs> so they can just avoid all due process. So the government here sued our bank accounts, went to the court, paused the case for six months, went to the court again, asked to pause it for six months. Judge said, judge said you only get four months this time. They wanted to pause it again, and it wasn't going to happen. So it was time to litigate. And it was time for the government to prove their case against the bank accounts. And instead of opting to prove the case, the government gave us the money back. Unbelievable. And this how is... long was that from beginning to end when you lost the money to when you finally received it again? It was 22 months. Jeez. So for 22 months, you had I, we had nothing. We had to figure out how to feed our four daughters. My mother was amazing. My mother was a public school teacher, worked her whole life. And my mother kept asking, don't they care about your daughters? You have a baby. And I said, mom, they don't care. She's like, this is our government. And I said, they don't care. They care about Jeff Bezos and Amazon. They do not care that we have children to feed. They did say when they seized our money that if my husband pled guilty to a crime, they'd give some of it back. It's such a transparent tool of corruption. It should be gone. It should be abolished. So you mean meaning that threat where they can say, hey, just say you're guilty and, we'll, and then we'll make this all better. Therefore, getting the guilt, guilty plea out of you. And yeah. it's really kind of yeah. your and only they option. Held, they point. held everything, including... If this goes down and we arrest your husband, we're going to do it in front of your children. My husband asked, his lawyers asked the prosecutors over and over again, who were saying in 2020, we're charging him, we're coming. Like, they never charged him. But, you know, they, they, they threaten you. And my husband's lawyers asked the prosecutors, can he turn himself in if you're going to indict him? And the prosecutor said, no, we will arrest him in your home in front of the kids. Isn't that crazy? That's just wrong. Knowing yeah. that that was their a big fear of theirs. This is, this is so corrupt and so bad. Amy, thank you for, for um, telling the story. We'll get some closing thoughts from you in just a second. Um, it's Amy Nelson and uh, her website is the riveter.co or is it.com.co. .co. Okay. Let me tell you a little bit about legacy box. Part of my calling in life, I believe is to preserve American history and to make sure that it is safe uh, and not destroyed and doesn't fall apart. We are in restoration on all kinds of things right now. We just got, did you know that there is another kind of so-called Zapruder film? No. 
it's just been uh, released and given to our museum to to hold on. I haven't even seen it yet, but we're holding on to it. Though mm. one of the things I'll do with Legacy Box is I'll hand deliver that one to them and say, "Can you, <laughs> yeah, please preserve this?" I mean, it's it's amazing some of the things that are going on. That's what I do in my off hours. Your job is to preserve your American history, the history of your family, what life was really like back in the old days. And I mean, the old days like the 1980s. You spend a lot of money and time and on videotapes and everything else. All that stuff is going away. All your photos are going away. Get a legacy box right now and secure, safeguard all of those family stories. Don't let your photos continue to fade. Become your family's hero, the one that rescues the story of your life. Legacybox.com slash Beck. Shop, you'll get an exclusive offer and save a buttload of money right now. Legacybox.com slash Beck. Do it now. 10 seconds. Station ID. Amy Nelson is with us. Final thoughts or advice? Well, as you know, Glenn, I've been a progressive my entire life. And one thing that has really surprised me in all this is that progressives see things in black and white. The right side sees things in black and white. But really, this is about our rights. And we should Mm -hmm. all be fighting for the same rights, including due process. And so I just hope that the Department of Justice could try to be more fair and transparent. Is it over? It's not. It's not over, but it will be someday. That's what my husband says. This can't last forever. That's just crazy. Do you still consider yourself a progressive? I consider myself politically homeless now. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way. I think so, too. You know? And it's weird because if you're a classic liberal, um, then, you know, I call myself more of a libertarian, but it's also classic liberal. It's the same thing. It really is. I believe in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. That's that's. That's all that's important. The rest of it is nonsense. It is. And there's so much ink spilled distracting us. Yes. From those things. Yep. Yep. Nobody ever talks about those things. Mm -hmm. I mean, your story and stories like you, that should be everywhere. And that's something that both Republicans and Democrats and independents should all be standing up and saying, this has got to stop. Because if they'll do it to you, they'll do it to anybody. They truly will. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. My best to your family. How are your kids? They're great. They're amazing. They're kids. They're resilient. Yeah. Yep. Good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, tonight on my Wednesday night special, this is one you do not want to miss. Um, the 1619 Project is now on Hulu, and it's going to be shown in schools. It's going to be shown everywhere. We are debunking it tonight. The 1619 Project, we happen to have been lucky enough to be the preservers of the largest collection of Pilgrim and Jamestown artifacts and documents in private hands. Smithsonian was bidding against us. We got it, and we are preserving it. And tonight, I'm going to show you some of the critical items and documents in that as we show you Clearly, the 1619 Project is complete bogus crap. It's crap. You need to watch this with your family and your kids, because I can guarantee you they will see things that they need to know when they're in school. 
Join us tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern on blazetv.com and 9.30 p.m. at youtube.com slash Glenn Beck. The Glenn Beck Program. You are probably paying way too much for your phone service. We've all been there at one point or another. Um, you know, if you want to keep doing that, you know, that's fine. But there is a way for you to save a buttload of money. It's Patriot Mobile. Join them. They're on the same cell towers as the big guys. But if you trust the, you know, the three big major networks in their coverage and you don't necessarily like what they do with all of the profits as they, you know, push their their thumbs into your eyes every month. Um, you like their service, but you hate their values. You can now join Patriot Mobile and s- save and and also get your service still from one of the three major networks. If that's what you want, they'll work with you. Patriot Mobile all here in America, and they share your values, and they're not spending their time or your hard-earned money, you know, trying to, uh, you know, help Planned Parenthood. They're standing for the Bill of Rights and life. Switch now. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. Call them at 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Beck. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. And BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. You'll save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Here's a reason why you don't want companies that are tech companies directly in bed with the government. Let me tell tech people some really exciting news. You know, if you're a real tech, you already know this. But for people who like the new technology, there is a new um AR VR device that is coming out from Apple. And uh, it, that means you'll have virtual reality and augmented reality. So let's say you're standing in a room with a bunch of people and you're looking, you know, at everybody in the room and you just want to call in a friend of yours. Zoop, it'll look like your friend is also standing in the room with the other friends. OK, so you can mix the worlds or you could have total virtual reality or artificial reality. Um, great. Now this one's so good that this device, it's opening price is $3,000 for a headset. Well, that'll come down as somebody who bought a TV for my 40th birthday. My wife got me a flat screen TV. It was a Sony Trinitron fat, flat screen. First one ever made. It was $10,000. I can get one better now for about 200 bucks. So this is just the first that is coming out and it's three grand. It'll be 200 bucks in no time. Now, what makes this so special and the reason why I'm talking about it is because it has eye tracking capability. So this particular VR, you don't need you don't need any other gadgets with it. 
it's all controlled by your index finger or your thumb and finger put together. You want to turn up the volume, just put your thumb and finger finger together. You want to switch the page. You want to look someplace else. Either your hand or your eyes. You want to see what's going on. You just look over, you know, you move your eyes to another part of the screen and it it predicts and gives you everything you want. Sounds fantastic. And it sounds like life is going to be so easy. Okay. Now let me tell you why today is a day that you should make the decision whether or not and keep this. Am I ever going to put one of these on my head? Will I just go, oh my God, it's so cool. I mean, I, I got it. I mean, right? We got it. I mean, look at this. Dad, everything is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take it off your head right now. Here's why. If you eye track somebody for a month, you will know them better than they know themselves. If you're watching TV, within a month, it will know, are you gay or straight? It will know any kind of fetish you might have. It will know your favorite color, what things you like, what things you don't, how you read a website, what attracts your attention, what bores you. It can tell within a month whether you're an expert with guns, because when you look at a picture or something and you see a gun in somebody's hand, do you look at the index finger? You're probably somebody who deals a lot with guns if you look at the index finger. Is it on the side rail or is it in the trigger? That tells you something. So they'll know things like you that you've never even thought of. It will know when your pupils open up. It will know when a long-haired brunette is on TV. And if that's what you like or don't like, the eye tracker will know where you look first when you see that woman. Where are you? Look? Are you looking at her eyes? My eyes are up here. Or you look in someplace else. And then it will not only know where you first look, it will look where you look next. The path you traveled with your eyes to get to that part of the body and the part where you leave. These are all things that none of us really know. Also, this will be able to monitor your blood pressure and your heart rate. Because your eyes truly are the window to your soul. And so you can see blood pressure and heart rate. When they look at that picture, does their heart rate go up? Does their blood pressure go up? What are they afraid of? What do they like? You do this for a few years, and AI will be able to present to you the best image of a person and perform in ways that will completely capture your attention. It's no longer, well, we're kind of tailoring it to you. It is made for you in every way, shape, or form. You want porn? Oh, you'll get porn. You'll get porn with the woman that you think is the ultimate woman. Whatever it is that you like on everything. 
Now, that may sound great, but now you might know why don't ever get give access to your eyes, especially eye tracking. Can you imagine being somebody that was in the NSA and you left the NSA and now you're at Apple and the government's having a problem and they need to know how do we get people to shut up about, let's say, a vaccine? How do we motivate them? How do what do we do to get them locked in line? You really think there's enough of a wall there that's going to stop that company and that government from sharing that information? You will not know what your ideas are or what their ideas are. You won't know if you thought it or they thought it. And it will all be presented in a way that is designed especially for you. So let the $3,000 price tag be the first barrier to buying it. But not the most important barrier. You have to decide today because it's going to it's going to get harder and harder. And none of the choices that you make against this stuff are going to make you more popular, more user friendly for the world. You will become more and more Amish. You will live outside of the rest of the world. It's really be in the world, not of the world. You can be in the world, but I'm not doing any of that stuff. You have to decide that right now. Your kids, your family. Because I guarantee you, it is going to come dribs and drabs. It's all going to come as Packaged as a great thing. Oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. You have to see it. And look, you don't even have to do anything. It just moves with your eyes and it knows and it, it can anticipate you. And it, uh-uh, uh-uh. Don't do it. <laughs> Apple is probably the best with security. But I don't trust Apple but they probably have the best firewall out of all of them. And all of them are hiring in droves. Those people from the NSA, intelligence agencies, and government agencies. All of them. They are becoming one with the government, and the government is becoming one with these corporations. Stand guard. Stand Guard. One of the hardest lessons in life is that stability is a luxury in this world. It's not always there for the enjoyment. I mean, it's really amazing when you think how fragile all of this stuff is and how much the world has changed. And we've just watched this. I mean, this is all going to be in the history books is one of the most amazing time periods in human history from 2001 to 2035 is going to be i mean it's going to be like the world war ii documentaries forever because this 
is the end and the beginning. It's amazing. But that makes things unstable. Uh, You don't know what's going to happen in that changeover. You don't know what could be happening just with the weather. My Patriot Supply would like to stretch your dollars by saving $200 on a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. It is not laughable to think that we may have food shortages, that a system could go dark, that you know we could have rolling blackouts, any of these things. The nation's largest preparedness company, I trust this company, I've done business with this company, I have their food Oh, well, I mean, I store it at Stu's house. I don't have any of it. But anyway, (laughs) three-month emergency food kit. Go to his house. Something happens. He's got plenty of it. I got nothing. Three-month emergency food kit comes with delicious breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, and snacks. It's MyPatriotSupply.com. Get your uh, save $200 on your three-month emergency food kit while you can. They ship fast, free, unmarked boxes. It's MyPatriotSupply.com. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. May I just say that I think there a case could be made that we should sue some of these companies under the Nuremberg Laws? Uh, everybody's doing grand experiments on the entire human race and really not talking about the consequences. And we're signing up for it. We're signing up for it. So I guess you couldn't impose the Nuremberg laws because we're the ones going, I'll do that. (laughs) What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong with tracking your eye movement? Do you know, you know, when you dream at night, your eyes go back and forth Okay, you know how you see somebody dreaming and their and their eyes are moving mm-hmm. crazy. That rapid movement, what it's doing is it is it is tying the events of the day to like you know little file cabinets, and it's reshuffling everything and putting it in its correct order. Because sometimes you don't have you, you need time uh, the day to process everything, so it puts everything in order. If you've had something tragic go on, you saw somebody hit by a bus, that memory shatters, okay? And because you can't deal with it, it's too much. And so the memory shatters and is placed in all kinds of boxes that are wrong, okay? And so it never, it's in those boxes. So if you, you know, you were robbed by a guy with big logging boots, the, you might remember in your stored memory logging boots of that guy every time you see somebody with logging boots you're like i don't trust that guy but you don't know why because that part of the picture was misfiled okay and so you can redo that with something called emdr and it's it's great if you want to look into it it's really a good thing um however this is what they're tracking this is what let me ask you If you're tracking eyes or, for instance, if we can make it look like you're always looking at the camera, which is a new device out and is great. It's always looking at the camera when you're on a webcast. And that's because you look down away from the camera. And so you can tell when person's talking to you, they're not looking at you. And it's kind of bothersome to people. 
look at me, look at me. That's a human need. So now we can put devices or we can put uh, software to make it always look, to animate your eyes so it always looks like you're looking directly at the camera or the person on the other end. Why is eye contact so important? Eye contact is the window of the soul. You, you have the ability to look somebody in the eye. Look me in the eye and tell me that. We know when people look away, when they look down, when they look up, we, we can become more suspicious of people because they don't make eye contact. Okay? So will this being put on our computers where it's correcting that so it always looks like, yeah, I mean, you wait, look away for a minute, but you're always making eye contact. In real life, when I meet somebody who's not giving eye contact all the time and not necessarily because they're dishonest, do I trust them? Do I trust them less because I've now been raised on in this, you know, uh, digital world where everybody looks me in the eye and then in real life, they're not looking me in the eye? When I'm looking somebody when you're looking at somebody in the eye, when you're with somebody that tells you something. I'm boring. Like right now, Stu's kind of drifting off. And I know that I'm bored. <laughs> See, look at his eyes. You can tell if you're watching the blaze, he's gone. And a normal person would be like, I should let him talk for a minute. But I'm not going to because I'm not a normal person. <laughs> You're drooling now. Okay. <laughs> I, sorry. <laughs> I mean, the, the question yeah. is, we are changing everything. There yeah. are things. There are things that. You know, that that picture shatters because you can't process it Okay, at the time. You can't process that. And so there's all these protection things and animal things with all of us that we store and are directly tied to our eyes and our brain. Mm. We've never been this close to being able to tell everything and show you images that are wrong. What does that do? And it's happening so fast with all the AI stuff that's out there now. And, you know, we, we talked about this I don't know, maybe a week ago about how we started this giant experiment with phones in 2009, Nine. 2010, 2011. All of the depression rates, all of the suicide rates, everything else skyrockets from almost exactly that period. And, and no one's talking about why. Yeah, And we all made this decision to join in this giant experiment all at the same time, we're seeing the results are terrible, and now we're like, let's triple down. Like, right. this is much, much more intense, much, much worse than the phone thing, but and we're jumping into that as, as well. inevitable as the phone for mm -hmm. most people. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I urge you to do your homework on these things now and decide. Otherwise, you will fall into it just like you fell into the phone. And, and it's over. Mm -hmm. It's over. All right, we'll see you tonight, 9 o'clock, Wednesday night special. Don't miss it. The Glenn Beck Program.